Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of a recent episode exploring the history of investors holding businesses accountable and the dawn of the ESG, or Environmental Social Governance, movement. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Amory. Yes. I want you to meet Susan, who I just met the other day. Hey, Susan. How are you? Hey, Ben. I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for being willing to do this with us. You're welcome. Susan went by herself to Japan for a two-week vacation. Two weeks? Very nice. Where'd she go in Japan? She sort of bounced around a bit. Yeah, so the main places I went to were Tokyo and Kyoto, and I took a few day trips, too, and spent one night in this place called Hokone, where there's hot springs. And then, just a few days ago, right when she was preparing to leave, something happened. Can you tell me about the moment that you realized you were in trouble? Um, so I was wrapping up my trip. It was the morning of the day of my flight, and I was going through everything and uh, just trying to organize myself. And I slowly began to realize that my passport was not in my bag. So I was trying to not panic immediately, but eventually I went through everything and it just wasn't there. So I really, I panicked. I was like, holy crap, what do I do? Yes, Susan did the one thing you are never supposed to do while traveling abroad. She lost her passport. Emery, what anxiety threat level does this put you at? <laughs> like a code red, like 11 out of 10. I thought maybe. This is not something you would take in stride necessarily. Maybe not something anyone should take in stride, including Susan. I had no idea where it was, and I realized that really my only option at that point was to call the embassy and see if there was any way I could make my flight without my passport because I had no idea how to track it down. Hello, U.S. Embassy Tokyo. They actually picked up right away and they were really nice, but they said there's nothing they could do until Monday since it was a Saturday and that's when they opened. They said it happens all the time. Did you have to be at work on Monday? Yes, I did, which was another reason why I was panicking because I'd already taken two weeks off and I really needed to be there. This is probably a good time to say that Susan works for a human rights organization. Specifically, she deals with issues like child labor, juvenile justice, and refugee children. So, yeah, not the type of job you'd want to miss a few days for because you're stuck on vacation. And then just to find out the day that I'm leaving that I don't have my passport, I just felt incredibly defeated and really at a loss for what to do next. This is about the time that Susan takes a total shot in the dark. She posts to Reddit. I think the last time I posted is because one of my plants was dying, and I took a picture of it and posted it to the succulent community to ask them what they thought I should do. And then everyone resoundingly said, you need to water it more. But I thought I always thought succulents needed to be watered very rarely. So they were really helpful. Um, the plant still died, but... <laughs> That's one reason why I posted. Susan's post about her passport leads to a down-to-the-minute race through Japan to get herself on that plane. A mission she tackles with the help of an unassuming hero, Vince. You're sitting at a Starbucks, hanging out with a Shiba Inu. 
this is very internet-y already. Yeah, well, I'm a big Shiba fan. Uh, a friend of mine has two of them. Shiba Inu, as in that dog that is insanely popular in Japan and on the internet, where the Shiba is, of course, known as Doge. Such Doge. Even on vacation, I, you know, you, you get into routines, you know, have coffee, browse the internet. You know, that's how I start my morning. Ben, this sounds like the start of a rom-com. Or the start of a terrifying Lifetime movie. And yes, there is a rendezvous. Because before Susan can get back to saving the world at her job in New York City, Vince must go on an epic adventure. Yeah, we're about to tell you about two international missions. One is a race against time and train schedules and plane schedules. Another is a race against self-doubt. Let's call this one Mission Improbable. Dun, 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 dun. All right, all right. We got our own theme music. I'm Ben Brock Johnson, and this is Endless Thread. I am here with my producer and co-host, Amory Sievertson, bringing you stories found in the vast ecosystem of online communities called Reddit. One does not simply walk into our show without saying how it's made. We're coming to you from WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Okay, Amory, I want to ask you about the key details of this lost passport in Japan story that we have so far. Okay, Susan has lost her passport. Check. It's a Saturday. Uh-huh. She calls the embassy. Yeah. No one can help her till Monday. and She's got to get on a plane. Nicely done. Thank you. And, oh, there's this guy, Vince, who's maybe also on vacation, and he's going to help her somehow. Yeah, Vince is going to help big time, because after some totally understandable freaking out, Susan has figured out where her passport is. I realize it was probably a good idea to call my hotel in Kyoto and just check in and ask them. They picked up, and I explained my situation. She didn't understand what I was talking about, so then I passed my phone um, to a Japanese friend, and he uh, explained the situation, and they immediately said, yes, we just found the passport. Okay, which is great news, except you're about to get on a plane, and it's and your passport is 300 miles away. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I was slightly relieved, but the information didn't do that much for me. Found passport, good. Passport in Kyoto, far from Tokyo, flight, bad. The trip from Tokyo to Kyoto and then to the airport would take almost eight hours alone. Amory, guess how much time Susan has before her flight? (laughs) Uh, Eight hours. Eight hours, exactly. And that is not including time she's going to need in Kyoto to actually retrieve the passport. So while she's trying to figure out what she's going to do and she's on the phone with the American Embassy Emergency Hotline. Hello? Susan puts up this Reddit post in the Japan travel community, which has a lot of people posting travel tips and other information. Emery, you want to read the post? Yeah. Okay. Being a complete idiot, I left my passport in Kyoto at a hotel, and now I have a flight from Tokyo Narita at 6.30 p.m. Is there anyone who happens to be coming back from Tokyo in the next few hours that I could meet at the airport or anywhere in Tokyo? Such a long shot, but I would be eternally grateful and willing to compensate. So Vince, the guy browsing Reddit in a Starbucks, responds really quickly, actually. He says, what hotel? I'm in Osaka with nothing to do today, and I feel like an adventure. Okay, Japan map time. Susan's in Tokyo. 
The passport is in Kyoto, and Vince is in Osaka? Right. So Osaka and Kyoto are actually pretty close together. You could almost say Kyoto's on the way to Tokyo from Osaka, but this is still pretty crazy for someone to do this, which is part of why I think the post starts to blow up online. Vince is like, let's do this. But at first, Susan doesn't respond. And people are like, where is she, man? I posted it and then closed the app. And I don't think I looked for another 45 minutes. I think I had just been like on hold with the airline forever. And finally, they just hung up on me accidentally. So I was feeling really annoyed. And I just like happened to click on Reddit and saw there had already been a bunch of responses. Including Vince. And... I gave him a call and he immediately picked up and he just like sounded like he was completely ready and willing to accept the mission and there was no time wasted on the phone. He just told me exactly where he was and when he thinks he could make it to the hotel and then when he thinks he would make the bullet train and then uh, be able to meet me in Tokyo. It was a really quick conversation. It's almost like he was waiting for my message on Reddit to like accept an adventure. So Vin says bye to the Shiba Inu Doge and leaps into action. First, he heads to the hotel, where they know to hand him the passport because Susan said, give this guy my passport. And then from there, he actually starts kind of responding in the Reddit thread and also posting on Instagram, giving updates as he goes, because people are getting excited watching this play out in real time. Oh, it was fun. It was a blast. Um, That was probably the, the best part about the whole thing. Another great part of this whole thing, Vince's documentation of the trip, complete with epic music and train stations where dance troops are whirling in circles, spurring him on. And once on the train itself, Vince documents his snack regimen, which is funny because it's a race against the clock, but he's also having this kind of wonderful Japanese train travel experience at the same time. Wonderful except for the quality of the cheese he's eating, apparently. Real Parmesan, like, you know, the the real good stuff is is extremely dry and this yeah. you know, this is like this is like a chewy like you know almost mozzarella y <laughs> kind of texture it's just not yeah this isn't parmesan <laughs> all right vince snack break over back to the chase uh, we decided to meet at tokyo station which is one of the big stations in tokyo and uh, because that's where the airport express train left from that went to narita but it's a massive station. Getting together at the train station was the probably the hardest part of the whole thing. Uh, Tokyo Station is insane. We were messaging each other about where to meet, and then actually, it still took, it still probably took like at least ten minutes to find each other at the station because there's just so many entrances. Are you at the? The East Gate, the West Gate, the Central Gate, the Shinkansen Gates, the Narita Express Gates. Are you at the Chiyoda line? Are you at the Ginza line? Where are you? <laughs> when you guys finally saw each other, what, how did that work? I mean, was it just like you threw the passport to her and you each ran off in separate directions? Or did you high five? Uh, did, you, did you hug? <laughs> what, what happened? Well, she knew it was me because I had previously sent her a picture and my driver's license uh, so that she knew who she was dealing with. And of course, she was looking for a six foot two, uh, you know, goofy looking ginger with, with glasses. So, I mean, I, you can find me from a mile away in Japan. I still didn't know if I was going to make my 
plane, actually. Um, and my uh, train left in, I think, maybe 10 minutes. So we had like a very frantic, rushed conversation. Obviously, I expressed my gratitude repeatedly and told him how much it meant to me that a stranger would do something so kind. And like, you know, I just thanked him a bunch of times. And then music swells and... Just kidding. They didn't go live happily ever after? Not all international missions end that way, Emery. And this one wasn't even over. And then got on the train that was on the platform because I thought it was the express train to the airport. Wait, she thought it was the express train? We went one stop and uh, this person came to check my ticket, which I think in the entire two weeks of being in Japan... No one ever checked my ticket when I was actually on a train. And oh, she no. saw that I had the airport express train ticket and was like, no, no, go back to the station, go back to the station. So then I was like, oh, holy no. shit, after all of this, I still might miss my plane. Ugh, th- I mean, that was just, that might have been the worst part of the entire day. Because like after all of this, like it just felt like the stars were aligning to for me to make that flight. And then just one stupid mistake And I got on the wrong train. So she goes back the other way. She meets Vince on the platform. She gets on the right train. Later, Susan discovered her misadventure had a lot of online spectators. I didn't really see the play-by-play, but I did notice eventually that it had really acquired, like, a group of people that were rooting for me to make my flight and the passport to be delivered. So that was really touching. I suppose this is a better—this is, like, a, a better outcome than the succulent. Yes, definitely. That succulent is long gone. The succulent might be long dead, but this story ends well. Susan made her flight. Thanks to our six-foot-two ginger with an understated sense of heroism. You, you also said that you're, you're not the type to say no to a request, which seems like a really dangerous statement to put on Reddit. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's got to be obviously reasonable. Um, you know, for me, it, was, it, it didn't really seem like that big a deal. <laughs> I honestly think most people wouldn't say no to a a reasonable help request. I like your outlook, but I also think that, like, there are so many people out in the world who would look at that and be like, oh, man, that person's really screwed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe that's like maybe that's actually the real story here is like, you know, who what is helping and, you know, where do you draw the line for something like a request? <laughs> I reimbursed him for the train ticket, obviously, and he... Uh, refused anything else, and I let him know next time he's in New York that many beverages will be on me. Are you going to go to New York so she can buy you dinner? I heard that she offered to do so if you uh, next time you made it out to New York. <laughs> she she did offer to buy me a a, a beer. Oh, beer. That's right. Um, I, that seems like a small reward. I got to be honest. A beer. She. I feel like a dinner seems more. I mean, if I'm ever there and we ever bump into each other, I, uh, I'd be happy to. But. Yeah, it's not a it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, just in case in a city of eight million people they just run into each other. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> but Vince, man, so freaking modest. What a guy. I know. Modest and also he's just like a positive vibes person on the internet, and I salute that. Heck yeah. Mission improbable accomplished. We got another mission for you though. Back in a jiffy.
Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. A recent episode explores the long tradition of investors influencing companies to do better. If you even go back to the 1600s, the Dutch East Indies companies, you'd have ships that would disappear for three, four, or five years at a time. And there were mechanisms that were needed because investors would put money into these operations. Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of the episode. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Dakota Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Dakota Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Dakota Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one. Hey, Ben, do you recognize this music? Oh, man, I know this music anywhere. It's Skype. It's that music that tells me we couldn't find a cool studio for someone to be in or that we're calling overseas. Yep. Hello. This is Ross Simpson. Uh, my username on Reddit is Yoitsyoka. I'm originally from Liverpool, and now I live in Canterbury in the UK. Eight months ago, Ross wrote on Reddit, looking for help buying an engagement ring. Sweet, right? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, so a few months after that, Ross got dumped. Oh. But I hadn't really taken it very well, and I was just getting myself down. And I was working my office job trying to stick it out for sort of two years and do the responsible thing. And Ross works in the corporate world. And then I had a meeting, a bit of a progress meeting with my CEO in work. I think he could see me drifting off as he was talking. He said to me, Oh, Amory, does this story start with Ross getting dumped and fired? Nah, just dumped. Ross says he was actually killing it at work. His boss told him that he would probably become a partner in the company pretty soon. What more could you want from a progress meeting? I think just him saying that just made me think, God, like I'm, you know, I'm living this corporate lifestyle and maybe this isn't exactly what I want. So, yeah, then when I went home, I I was just about to go to bed and I thought, I'll, you know, I'll put this post out on Reddit and just see if anyone's sort of crazy enough to come and join me. And yeah, that was the, that was the start of everything. OK, so before I tell you what was in the Reddit post that Ross made that night... Ben, did you ever have a really bad breakup? I had loads of them. <laughs> so what did you do to get over it? Like, did you listen to some sad songs on repeat, eat your feelings, watch some bad movies? Yeah, I just, like, played my guitar in the corner, <laughs> flipped my hair around, you know? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so Ross probably did some of that, too. But he also wrote this on Reddit. You know, my girlfriend broke up with me, and now I'm planning a 1,600-mile run from the U.K. to Sicily. Is anyone crazy enough to join me? Okay, a 1,600-mile run. Um, <laughs> that's bananas, Ross. That's That sounds actually crazy. So where did this idea even come from? You know, I've always been a person who's not really too focused on career, and, I, you know, I want to travel a lot. And then this crazy idea was just hatched, and I, I didn't really think too much of it. That's a pretty nonchalant attitude for someone who is about to drop everything, run 1,600 miles or so, and start a totally new life on the other side. Right? So you'd think there'd be a chorus of Redditors shouting in unison, Wait, Ross, no! <laughs> no! And then, um, actually, it was the Reddit post 
really in the support that I got from there that made me think, actually, maybe this is possible. Okay, so the Mission Improbable here is not just a 1,600-mile run, which for me I think would be a Mission Impossible, but also he's starting in the U.K. He knows about the English Channel, right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) He's aware. He broke down his route for me, which he realized is actually not a 1,600-mile run. It's a 1,780-mile run. Even better. I'm going to be leaving Canterbury where I live now once I've got rid of all my worldly possessions. And from here, I'll run to Dover. Um, So then I'll be taking the ferry over to Calais in France. Um, And then from Calais, it's kind of a, a direct line across France to the border of Switzerland. He'll make a semicircle around Lake Geneva, bang a Louis up into the Alps, and then back down into northern Italy. And then I'll go down through Tuscany, um, through Siena, into Rome. He'll go past Naples, hop a ferry to Sicily, and then run the coast road to Palermo. And I might, if I have time, do a sort of traverse of Mount Etna as well. You know, if he has time. No bigs. How long is this going to take, Ross? So he's scheduled it out to take 102 days. So going between 16 and 17 miles a day. That actually sounds like a plan that requires you to be a serious runner. Oh, definitely. Which is why Ross posted this in the running community on Reddit. But that actually brings us to a tiny detail that makes Ross's epic adventure all the more improbable. Are you a runner already? Were you a runner before you got thinking about this? Well, (laughs) uh, I thought of myself as a runner. Um, Don't we all, Ross, my man? Don't we all? Last year, I'd spent some time training for a half marathon, but then the winter came around and I sort of just lost a bit of momentum with it all and kind of gave up. So maybe January this year, I was still struggling through five-kilometer runs. Emery, this seems like a very bad sign. Actually, you know, within two months, I'd, I'd run my first ultramarathon. How far of a distance is that? I know it's 50K. Do you know what that translates to in miles? It's like 30? Maybe 32 or something along those lines. It is technically only 31 miles. Oh, yes, only 31. But no, (laughs) this is a big deal, Ben, because a typical marathon training schedule is about four months. And you know this, we should say, because you, Amory, also run marathons. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Which is why it's crazy that he trained for a 31-mile race in only two months. I mean, that, that's uh, just a beginner's ultramarathon when you venture into into that world. But um, luckily, you know, through Reddit and through the support of other runners, I just managed to, to get through it. And then that sort of gave me the extra boost to think I can actually do this. So there was the morale-boosting variety of support, like the comment, Mate, do it, do it. It's a crazy idea, sure, but the best ones always are. And then there was the more sobering practical support and advice. Like packing a tiger bomb, Vaseline, zinc oxide, sunscreen, neosporin, duct tape for blisters, and other essentials. Duct tape for blisters? Damn, that's some real talk right there. Yep, straight from the mouth of Miriam Diaz-Gilbert, known as Ultra Miriam on Reddit. She's run a ton of races, including seven 50-mile ultras and three 100-mile races. So yeah, she had some thoughts on supplies and on what to eat. Avocados, dark chocolate, almond milk, 
coconut milk, eggs, bacon, and smoothies made with fresh fruits and vegetables. A high-fat diet, basically, which other ultra-running Redditors agreed with. You know, try and just eat things like solid butter, um, cheese, uh, oily fish for my joints, um, you know, proteins to sort of mediate some muscle loss. Emery, butter, chocolate, cheese, avocados. I think I just decided to become an ultra-marathoner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, Ross's plan gets more intense than that, Ben. Or perhaps I should say more intense. There's a few subreddits out there. Our ultralight, which is about ultralightweight camping. Um, so I've just been scouring some people's posts on there, which has been really, really helpful. Oh, yes. Did I mention he's camping along the way? Uh, so he's running with a tent on his back and sleeping on the ground every night, basically? Pretty much. But he's got a couple more weeks of sleeping in a real bed. Ross leaves on May 1st. What is really driving you to want to do this? You know, it's not just so much about physical things and that you're going to look good if you run all the time, but, you know, it's a good way of um, finding mental fortitude and teaching yourself that you can keep on going even when you think that you should stop and, you know, your limits are much higher than you think that they are. And, you know, I've had some times in the past where I've been quite low and depressed and, um, you know, spent long times just doing nothing but um you know i'll be out there proving to other people that you can get out there and do something you know even if you even if you feel like sad and alone what would you say to someone who would say dude you are literally running away from your problems right now (laughs) no i like that actually i didn't think about it that way but um no i think it's it's about starting a new life and and uh you know a new identity as as the person i i've always thought that i you know, I could be. Um, and um, yeah, so I feel like I'm running towards something, not running away from something. What do you hope to to get out of this? Like, what if you get to Sicily and you just meet another person who breaks your heart and you get another corporate job? I mean, I think that you just learn things, don't you? Each time that you're in a relationship or each time that you do these things and you gain new perspective. And I think the perspective of, of someone that's run, you know, across continents is, is definitely going to be a more empowered perspective than what I have now. And to be honest, you know, I would never would have done this run in the first place if I hadn't been in a bad relationship. So if it does and it leads to something else good, then bring it on. Bring it on. But wait, is anyone else crazy enough to join Ross like he asked for in his post? You know, no takers yet. So, uh... Ben, you in? Mm, what day does he leave again? May 1st. Oh, yeah, definitely can't. I have to wash my hair that day. <sighs> sure. <laughs> Emery, do you think Ross is going to make it? Oh, Ross is making it, Ben. All right. No doubt. We call this episode Mission Improbable, but I believe in you, Ross. So you just give us a call, man, when you hit that Sicilian beach. Yeah, we hope you find what you're looking for. And make sure you duct tape those blisters. We've got links on our website to Ross's Instagram and Facebook pages where you can follow his travels. And he's also going to be doing some Reddit AMAs or Ask Me Anything posts so you could ask him questions along the way. He's also turned this adventure into an opportunity to raise money for charity. Bravo. There's more info on all of that at WBUR.org slash Endless Thread. 
Endless Thread is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station, in partnership with Reddit. Our show is a dream realized by Jessica Alpert, who, when we ask if she likes the episode we've put together, she says, WTF. Iris Adler is our executive producer, and she makes sure our stories meet the bar of mildly interesting. Mix and sound design by John Parati and Paul Vikas, who, whenever we go to record in the field with them, they remind us nature is Our web producer is Megan Kelly, who looks at our attempts at writing web copy and goes, Our intern is Chris Yulian, who when we put him on a task, he politely says, Hold my beer. Michael Pope is our advisor at Reddit, and whenever we try to have a serious meeting with him, he's all, You, I'm a toddler. Our theme music is by Squelcher. This week's episode art is called Rush. It's from Redditor Jennifer Horde. Her Instagram is jenny.hoard. On Reddit, she's Dusty Old Bones. On Reddit, we are Endless underscore Thread. If you want to contribute art to our episode or give us a juicy story tip so we can tell it like we did today, hit us up. This show is produced by Josh Swartz. Also, my producer and co-host, Amory Sievertson. I'm senior producer and host, Ben Brock Johnson. I'll let myself out. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Listen on for a preview of one of the episodes. ESG, or environmental social governance, challenges businesses to think beyond the immediate bottom line. But before ESG, the Balance Scorecard did something similar. Questrom's Eddie Riedel explains. The big thing that was groundbreaking about the Balance Scorecard is really this idea to move beyond thinking about financial statements, which everybody had thought about since the 1920s, right? That was kind of the gold standard for how to evaluate a company and its performance. And the balanced scorecard's big insight, I think, was to get companies internally to think about, well, what if you don't just focus on financial measures? There are other things that are going to affect your performance, and maybe they won't affect them today, but they're going to affect them in the short-term, mid-term, long-term. Building in those other criteria, those other dimensions, and explicitly linking that to your strategy, to how your company is going to operate, what kind of big decisions it's going to make, that's really what the big insight of the balanced scorecard was meant to do. And at the time, uh, right now, it doesn't seem particularly revolutionary. It seems kind of obvious. We've been stuck in the ESG movement for a while, and thinking about linking these things to corporate strategy seems pretty obvious. At the time, it was a pretty big, whoa, kind of moment. Find the full episode by searching for Is Business Broken wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about the Mayrotra Institute for Business, Markets, and Society at ibms.bu.edu.